Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, Colony fans, it's our last time in the bunker together as we present the Facebook Live event for episode 2.12 as the season ender of Colony, the official podcast. I'm your host, Tara Bennett, a contributing editor for Sci-Fi Wire, and we have had a wonderful time going through all of the episodes for season two of Colony. This will be our last episode for the podcast for this season. We did do a live Facebook event, which we're providing the audio for right here, where we were very happy to have in studio with us Ryan Condal, Wes Took, and Tori Kittles. Via phone, we had Carlton Cuse call in, and we had a really special FaceTime live moment with Josh Holloway. So they'll be able to answer all of your questions for 2.12, tease a little bit of the season finale, 2.13, for those of you that would love to hear about what happens after the finale, just know that it is Carlton Cuse's and Ryan Condal's preference to just let the audience kind of ruminate. And then hopefully we have a season three where we can talk about all of the good stuff that we saw. So thank you again for spending time with us this season, and we hope you really enjoyed the audio for this Facebook Live event for episode 2.12. Hello and welcome, Colony fans, to our Facebook Live version of the official Colony podcast. I've been the host all season, Tara Bennett. I'm a Sci-Fi Wire contributing editor, and we have with us today, live in studio, some of familiar faces from the podcast. Um, we'll start with co-creator and executive producer, Ryan Condal. Hello. And we have our only repeat cast member of the season, Team Broussard, Tori Kettles. Thanks so much. What's up, Facebook? And co-executive producer and episode scribe, Wes Took. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you doing? Uh, you know, I got into writing so that no one would hear my voice. <laughs> Today's a nightmare, right? Kind of ruined that. Let's take to the next level. Let's see my Tori's the only face. one happy with this today. He's like, this yeah. is, I got this. But we also, I want to announce, have a very special guest with us today who's from afar on the location of another project he's working on, but also co-creator and executive producer, Carlton Cuse. Hi, Carlton. <coughs> Hello. Hey, there he is. He's, he's with us via uh, iPhone this week. So, Carlton, thanks Super for being able to make here. it with us. How's everything going out there? Uh, very happy to be here. We'll be taking questions from you guys today. Please let us know what you want us to ask this esteemed panel that we've got here, as well as Carlton. And just to let you know, we also have a very, very special guest that's going to be coming on to the show a little bit later. So you got to stay tuned for that because we promise you it's going to be pretty awesome. Um, it's Minnie the dog. It's, yeah. it's Minnie. Where is Minnie the dog? Um, <laughs> so yeah. please stay for that. But we're just going to start talking about last night's episode, which was pretty amazing. I want to talk a little bit about how it starts. We've talked all season on the podcast about the cold opens. And this one was very much giving us another little window into Broussard and his past. So from your perspective as a writer, let's ask first, you know, what you wanted to continue to reveal about Broussard that we needed to know at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, I mean, we, we always wanted to dig a little bit into Broussard's past so that we kind of understand he's this guy that has some things that he wants to atone for in life. And uh, like a lot of soldiers, I think, 
you know, signed up for a, a certain type of war and didn't exactly get what he had bargained for, which is a, a classic story uh, for soldiers. And now he, in the present day in Los Angeles, finds himself in this position where he can fight for something that, you know, he thinks he truly believes in. But we feel like to really get into his headspace, it helps to understand, you know, where he was and where he was coming from before um, he showed up in Los Angeles in that yeah. taxi cab in the first episode. Yeah. And uh, this helps to orient us as to as to where he was. And this is guy who obviously is, even at this point in the, in the prologue story, has fallen far from yeah. you know, where he initially started out in that crisp Marine uniform when he was a young man. Uh, yeah. Tori, what did you think about when you read that in the script? Because, you know, obviously you're getting your beats on the character every time you get a new episode as well. And what did that help uh, either cement for you in terms of your head, your mind space with him or, or help, you know, kind of redirect a little bit? No, you know, I, I, the first season was a lot of me trying to make up stuff and, mm-hmm. and sort of create this backstory, you know, because I didn't have any idea of where, where it was going to go. But they've been, you know, great about just sort of mapping it out and leaving these breadcrumbs, you know, the writers I'm talking about, Ryan and mm-hmm. Wes and Carlton. And for me to be able to go back and have that, uh, to show that foundation, you know, sort of alludes to what he's saying is like, it just sort of uh, colors the character in a different way give me more layers and more levels to play. Yeah. Um, so it was fantastic for me. Let's go into the episode then. Um, Wes, I want to talk a little bit about what was the goal. You're obviously at the penultimate episode of the season. A lot of stuff you need to set up or a lot that you want to kind of kick into place for what's going to come next week. Well, like any good volleyball player, you're trying to drop the ball. So <laughs> not set up anything the finale. Um, I think that... There's, you're trying to build in momentum as you move through the season. And, yeah. you know, episode 11, we had a lot of fun writing. Um, and it is a huge character advancement for Bran, but it also is not quite the linear narrative that you might expect at that point in the season. Right. So 12 is in some sense a reset and saying, okay, well, how are we going to wrap this up? What are we trying to set into motion? How are we going to put this group under you know, more pressure? The more you can escalate pressure going into a finale, generally right. speaking, the better off you are. Yeah. Wes is saying that he wanted to put as much pressure on, as possible on me yeah. when I was writing the finale. So <laughs> exactly. Just kicking that can right down the road. Turn that screw so a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Carlton, you know, from your perspective, what were some of the important things for you that um, you were thinking about? You know, I, I think that the we kind of had a long-term plan to have a lot of narrative velocity in the show this season. And I think, um, you know, Ryan and, and Wes, who... Uh, you know, really steer the storytelling on a day-to-day basis and just done an amazing job, you know, kind of really keeping the show, I think, energized at a level that is beyond where the audience expects it to be going. And, um, you know, we, we, you'll see there's kind of a circularity when we get to the end of the season that is, um, I think, really, you know, going to be really cool for the audience. As you said, we've got to set up a lot of characters in a dire situation, and Maddie, coming off of last week's episode um, with her confrontation with Bram. We've got her kind of hitting a really a terrible low with Hudson, you know, going and she's losing her kid. He's going off the bus. Don't know what that's going to mean for them being reunited. <laughs> and then Nolan ends up being like the worst boyfriend ever in this episode. Takes her, her sadness and decides, yeah, this is time to seduce her. So um, it really is a low point for her as a character. Tell me a little bit about her kind of arc this season and where this point is, is setting her up for. Yeah, I mean, Maddie's been a really tragic character. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's the... Uh, She's a, a Shakespearean character yeah. in, uh, in in the story of our show. She's somebody that had something, lost it all, and then started again from nothing, and then built back up this 
kind of amazing life, more than really anybody yeah. else in the show. He's green zone in it. Nice, exactly. yeah, nice life up there. Yeah, living with Adrian Pazdar. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, but the the choices that she's made, you know, I, I think the show is still a very moral show, and mm-hmm. in, in the sense that. Um, you know, people who make bad decisions may not pay for it in the moment, but mm-hmm. they do eventually. Yeah. And uh, and you know, that's that's Maddie's story in the in this episode. She's um, she's made a lot of compromises to get where she is and keep her position, also keep her son safe and keep herself safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's doing a lot of this the way anybody else would in this situation. And we were always trying to draw from uh, real stories like this in the past, and, yeah. the, and trying to get in the head of the. Vichy collaborators in France who decided to side with the Nazis, thinking, well, you know, if this is the new power, then we need to align with it. Otherwise, we're going to all, you know, right. we're all going to get killed. And I need to take care of myself and my family and my loved ones. And this is the best way to do it. She's also remained very sympathetic, um, especially because of Hudson. You know, you, when you have a diabetic kid and this situation is so dire, you are going to make choices, you know, to save your family member. And, and that's the thing that struck me as we watched this in the season. She could have easily become a character where. You just didn't understand what she was doing, but she just basically made the wrong choices. Right, and that's what you know. That's what I mean. From the very beginning, when um, you know Carlson and I cast her, uh, cast Amanda in the pilot, like that's what we always loved about her, what she brought to the character, because she brought this in- incredible humanity and earnestness to mm-hmm. the to to the character, and she never felt like a, a scheming villain, right? You know, in in the show, the way some of the other green zoners are. But she's obviously smart and capable and all those things. She's not a pushover either. But you know, even up until that last moment, that she's really trying to do what she believes is the right thing. She understands that she's making compromises and having to make hard choices. But, you know, her sister chose to join the resistance. She did not do that. So seeing, you know, seeing Amanda go through those machinations is always, you know, it's always a joy because she just, she... You're with her, and you mm-hmm. and you feel her pain up all the way through that last sad moment where she walks through the green zone gates with her Louis Vuitton bag. <laughs> clunk, clunk, clunk. Sad little, sad little. Uh, we couldn't clear Louis Vuitton though. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, we let's. We're very fortunate because that day it actually happened to be raining in Los Angeles. So. <laughs> very true. Yeah, the gods cooperated. Yeah. There you go. Let's move over to you know Will and Katie and Broussard are pretty much acting as a unit now. They're a new cell, you know, as they've lost people along the way it's the three of them and um i wanted to ask you tori did you did you see that when the disparity of the choices when katie was just choosing to keep will and broussard separate did you ever see in your own mind where it would make sense that the three of them would be working together i admit i never saw it yeah i didn't but i you know what a journey for all of those characters and to finally come together that way and i I hope because uh, josh in particular is just a great guy and I never got to work with him the whole first season I never yeah. got to work with Josh mm-hmm. and it took until episode 6 of this season to finally have a scene where the three of us were all together yeah. and and I thought it was a great moment because you know you have the choices that Katie has made you have Broussard's choices and mm-hmm. Will's choices and now all of these things are coming to a head and they happen right there in that one moment in front yeah. of the young yeah. and there's so much tension and so much subtext going on within that whole moment I just I loved it yeah it's a great great moment and, yeah. and then now you guys are out on the field you've got this new enemy with Karen and you have to work together for this you and Katie going and negotiating and Will's kind of got your back which is I a crazy situation yeah situation was shot 
you know, because you have Will's vantage point, able to see it all. And and then, you know, you have Katie out and Katie and Brashard out on the field mm -hmm. and, and you know something's going on. You know Karen is not to be trusted. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I just love the whole scenario and the way it was shot and the way it was set up. And again, you have two different ideologies coming together to debate, yeah. you know, what's right and wrong in that moment. And resistance is resistance, but the way the red hand is going about it is something totally opposed to uh, I believe Brassard's and, and yeah. Katie's and Will's ideas. Um, you know, it's a conscious choice to, to look out for civilians, you know, and yeah. the way they approach it. Whereas uh, Karen is pretty cut and dry. You yeah. know, hey, you collaborate, you die. There, there are no exactly. gray areas. And it's hard to deal with someone uh, who has those types of beliefs, you yeah. know. Um, and it's and great to have seen in the very beginning what kind of the moral compass was for Broussard in that situation in the past and then see that reflected now, that he's got to lay a, a line in the sand and say, you know, the way you're doing this is not the way you yeah. need to do this. Which well, he's really experienced great. the ramifications of exactly. those actions, you know, and so I think it's him learning as well. And I think that's just great character development on these guys yeah. to, to you start this character one way and then he's still facing some of the same choices in a different way, but yeah. it's still the same choices as you go through life. You know, certain things begin, they, they come up again and again and again and yep. you react the way you do hopefully you react with the knowledge of the past situation and you make better decisions and I think um, yeah, to go back to what he was saying about atonement that's mm -hmm. that's what he's trying to do he's trying to do it better this time around. yeah definitely well let's take some questions uh, we have got you guys watching so instead of me asking all the questions let's put them to work uh, all right Michelle Harvey wants to know do you guys have a long-term plan for season three and four yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Carlton and I have uh, been talking about Colony now for almost four years. Wow. You know, so we've had a lot of time. Crazy. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we've had, you know, we've had a lot of time in. And, and really, even before we got into what the pilot story was going to be, we just we just would meet and talk a lot about the show and the story. And not even season one, just what is this world and what story do we want to tell and where does this all go? So, you know, I think from the very beginning, we've always had a really clear picture of where we wanted the end point to be, what mm -hmm. we, where we wanted the story to end, what we wanted the last season of the show to be. And, um, you know, the fun, I think, of doing something like this is figuring out the route that you're going to take to get there, mm -hmm. and that's the, the season to season challenge. And, um, you know, I will say that, you know, we've talked a lot about you know what a season three would look like, so mm -hmm. we already have a really good idea of of that, and uh, and then some, you know, some road ahead. I don't know exactly how much distance is between here mm -hmm. and, and the ending that we've always talked about, but um, yes, we have trust that we have uh, trust, Michelle. Trust they, your creatives they, they, that they, they have it. we have and a lot of road ahead. Caleb King wants to know: presuming we're getting a third season, will we get any looks at what's going on off planet? I think you know, as Ryan and I have said often, we're not um, we're not trying to kind of hide the ball and. You know, play the show. The show is not about the mysteries of the world that they now live in. It's about this family trying to survive in a world that's been upended. So, you know, our goal as we go along is to continue to answer questions. And I think the the, the answer to that is as the characters learn more about the world and about their circumstances, the audience will learn more. So, right now, you know, our characters are, are kind of getting a they're getting more and more knowledge all the time about what's happening to them and, and what their circumstances are. And there's a big you know, the, there's kind of a big advancement in that regard in next week's finale. Um, but uh, the timing of when we would 
go off planet, I don't think we would want to say, um, you know, I mean, I think for us it's also just we're, we're trying to really tell a, you know, a rooted personal story, and so we're very cautious about how much we lean into the, you know, the purely science fiction elements of the show. Right, and yeah. and to piggyback on, on what Carlson just said, what I think is good about our story of Colony is how we've really kept the integrity of the storytelling and the doling out of the mythology as we yeah. have it. And there's certainly people that know things, but we've never had that, you know, Dr. Explainer character right. come on and tell you exactly what's going on because the Bowmans just haven't met that person. Right. And because you're telling the story through their POV, we know the things that they know and that they've been able to learn and suss out from others. We know now that, you know, Snyder, even though he kind of dressed himself up to be this big important guy who knew everything. Yeah. He knows certain things and, and he knows things that he hasn't said too, but he doesn't know everything. everything exactly. And we, we just haven't met those people yet. But we opened up the world a lot this year, I think, and, and in season three and, and beyond, the world will just continue to open up and more POVs will come in and trust us, you know, everything will be explained. You just have to have to be patient and keep watching. All right, so Tracy Phillips wants to know why are they called raps? Explain the name. So you Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! We're, we're actually we've been waiting for someone to actually ask that question for a long time. Yeah. Ryan, I think we should answer it. Okay, go ahead, Carlton. <laughs> Hot seat. Um, well, I think there's kind of two, like a lot of nicknames. There's kind of multiple explanations. One, there's the sort of the, the sort of raptor bird thing. But also, you know, we thought it would be kind of ironic that they had kind of given people this, this nickname. You know, they're, 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 they're kind of occupiers of nickname. And in the same way that I think this happened, you know, if you go through history, there's a lot of derogatory names that are given to, you know, people who, you know, who are the enemy. enemies. Yeah. Um, and so we thought rap would, was actually kind of this ironic name for random alien people. And <laughs> there you go. Kind of Mystery solved. That was a big one because I was wondering that one myself. <laughs> yeah, and the fun of that too is that in World War II, the uh, Allies called the the uh, Germans the Krauts because they ate sauerkraut, right. Right? right? So, but the thing with this world is we don't know anything about our enemies, exactly. so it's really hard to like you know to like pick on them. <laughs> yes. So um, the idea would be that if you went to different places, they might not you know not every place might call them the same thing, which right. is the, the fun of this, and it shows that the humans that are being occupied just know very little about their enemy. Right. Makes all the sense. Is it a very appropriate LA kind of yes. ironic? Yes, it does. That's LA centric. That's good. Yes. I like that. That's good. All right. So I wanted to get back into you. Uh, you mentioned Snyder a minute ago, and I love his line: "All, all your women end up in space." <laughs> all credit to us too. Yes, I knew it. I was, knew it was a West line. Um, you know, I think one of the the great revelations this season has been that Snyder does keep his promises. You know that uh, as much as we may have painted him in one way. He has certainly worked whatever angle he's needed to work, but he's kind of stayed to what he's promised people in terms of his machinations. So was that an evolution in the writer's room for you guys, or did you kind 
of always know that you knew who he was, and we'd see it. Well, I think, first of all, we, we knew that uh, science fiction fans are really clamoring for more political intrigue. <laughs> <laughs> like their favorite the part. The West Wing side of the show is really... <laughs> but as we went through the season, and you start to watch Peter's performance, which is so inspiring, yeah. and you, you know that there's something always going on in the background. It's incredibly fun to write for a character like that, where the wheels are always turning. And... Yeah, there has to be humanity to that man. And the episode 201 that Ryan wrote where you see his backstory and you kind of realize where he came from lent to me such an, an incredible motive for some of the things he's doing. He, he wants to be a bigger person than he is. Right. You can kind of always feel that. But the problem with someone who feels that way is, is there actually a moral core or is he just trying to act like he has a moral core? And that's the kind of, you know, the question that drives him as a character and the, what makes him so fun. You kind of want him to do the right thing. Right. And he might or he might not. He and that might tension not. is... You know, but he's so incredibly likable. I mean, when he when he's doing it, I just yep. uh, he he was either Peter or Snyder or both of them. The the delight that they had returning to you know just a position of power in episode twelve for the first time and being able to walk into Nolan's office and tell him how it was going to yep. be. It's just it's so great to watch his when, smile in ten when he's after he says Nolan Burgess and yeah. Helena nods and approves the plan and yeah. she, she turns away. You just you just see this glee growing yeah. and he knows exactly what he's going to do. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's delightful. Right? It is wonderful. Yeah. It's so great. He all makes right. up for all the smiles that Tori does not Tori doesn't get to do. That's true. That's true. You, you had a little afternoon you delight and you looked a little happy during that when yeah. Broussard got a little break uh, from, from all of the stress. Well, let's let's bring back to stress because this episode had one of the greatest winners you guys have pulled off on the show. I want to ask you, Tori, like as an actor, when you when you already know what's been accomplished on the show, and then you've got the long length of that theater invasion, um, does that freak you out as an actor, or does you know is it just a rougher day for you? Because no, you know, it's so many moving pieces. Yeah, you just you just hope that you know you hit the piece that you're supposed to hit. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, we started outside of this theater, we moved through the theater, through uh, up the 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 center aisle, you know, but then. It was it was four of us, five of us, and so yeah. everybody's doing their own thing. And right. how is that going to all come together? And then you got you know guys on the opposition with guns. So so many things just moving at the same time, and it all has to line up for the shot to be right. Yeah. And, and you know everybody was prepared. I think we all trusted each other. Yeah, I know, bro. Bo mm-hmm. did, and uh, <laughs> and you know it was sort of just like moving like a unit. Yeah, I mean, like moving like a unit through this entire uh, structure all the way to the rooftop. It was thrilling. In a season of great director performances all the way through, I felt. Because, yeah. you know, we had people do incredible work. Peter just did such a fantastic job yeah. in this episode. I mean, Tori was referencing earlier the scene in the golf course, which was really yes. hard to shoot, and he yeah. had a great concept for it. But, you know, in a movie, you might take three, four weeks to shoot exactly. the sequence going to the theater, right. and we had two days, and yeah. he... I was on set panicked that they weren't going to get it, but (laughs) he had a plan and the the camera operators were incredible. It's incredibly physically demanding to be in front of these guys and catch all those marks. Uh, We only had a couple takes every time because the reset was challenging. I mean, a lot of people did an incredible job. Yeah, I watched that sequence unfold and just went, it keeps going. It keeps. Oh my God! It's still. There's no yeah. cut yet. That's amazing. Yeah, Juan. Uh, you know, Juan has loved the one. Always loves the one. Mm-hmm. Um, he always says he feels like it's his responsibility as a as a Latin American director <laughs> to uh, to add to the uh, the cinematic one or lexicon. But you know that that was kind of his take on that on that scene. And then Peter Leto, who was the director for that episode, uh, who was. Uh, uh, Juan and Peter used to direct on Law and Order together, uh, so they were all old buddies. But Peter's a, a Jersey guy, and of course, you know you're going to get quality from New Jersey. Um, <laughs> as uh, one of the co-creators of the show uh, is from New Jersey, but um, uh, uh, I 
couldn't tell you. <laughs> but uh, no, he did he did an amazing job, and and uh, I think you know Wes is always in a panic, but I was also in a panic about that one because it was just it was the longest one we'd ever we ever tried to do, and uh, and man, they nailed it. We asked so much production on the show, yeah. and one of the reasons it was done as a wonder is if you tried to shoot that conventionally, once again, it would just take forever. So it, right. they, they're incredibly flexible in trying to get us what we want to make the show as interesting and exciting as it is, and yeah. bless them for it. It's, they do a lot of hard work. It was stellar. It was, it was, it was absolutely wonderful. Um, and Tori, I wanted to get your reaction You know, the end of that. It was a moment that an actor, if you're opening your script that week, of going... Should I know something, guys? Because it's like every page turned, <laughs> just kept getting a little more. I started to tense up, you know, kept getting closer, closer, closer. And I'm like, I got Ryan on speed dial, Wes. I don't know his number, but I'll find him. <laughs> like, is this going to happen? And then it was like, whew, in fairness, like a big breath, yeah. just release. Like, okay, I'm still here. Well, Carlton, Carlton, and I have really made, you know, made it our our you know, policy to always at very least send a certified letter ahead of time <laughs> <laughs> to kill you off. <laughs> Personal. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you, you were okay. Don't worry. Yeah. We were pretty sure it was going to happen until the day he brought coffee to set. So. That's right. And then you were saved. You <laughs> had no idea. Yeah. Little gestures, Tori. It's little gestures. Things, you know, you pick up a few things over the years. You know, you know send a little whiskey, a little coffee, a little whatever. You know. I'll tell you, you didn't bring coffee. The dog. Yeah. yeah. Oh, huge. Oh. Huge mistake. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, when we do get that moment where we do get to see that you are alive and you just look like what hit you and I should be dead. And for us in the audience, we now know that there is a connection between Broussard and Will and that you both experienced in every kind of way being wiped out and yet you're still left standing. Yeah, there are these parallels that are going on between Broussard and, and Will in mm -hmm. so many different ways and, you know, it's starting to come together. But, you know, to start to go back to that moment uh, of, I guess it was sort of two things going on. It was like, whew, I didn't die. So it's like, <laughs> thank you to the writers. Um, but, you know, it, it was just sort of like all of these, to start the season, you know, he, it's been compounding with Broussard and leading up to all these things. And like we just talked about, he never really smiles. He never releases right. anything. He's sort of a guy that keeps it close to the vest. And, and uh, if you're not going to have a release after a moment near death mm -hmm. like that, you know, when will you ever have it? Right. And so I think it was important to show that side of him, like he's not just all brass. Exactly. Like there is sort of a, you know, softer side to him underneath it all. Right, because Broussard always hits a shot, and in that moment, he should have been hit, and so for us to get to see him yeah. in a moment of actual physical like, processing, this was it, this, this could have been this it, it was great it. to see. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it really humanized that moment. Um, all right, I'm gonna ask a couple more Facebook questions, and then our special guest is coming. He is ready to go. Um, I gave you a little hint there with a uh, pronoun. Um, but uh, I'm going to ask a couple more things, and then uh, we're going to jump to that. So uh, Wendy Del Monte, who's actually one of our Colony Superfans, who's been tweeting every every Thursday night. She, I know Wendy. She Wendy's <laughs> What's awesome. What's up, Wendy? Hey, Wendy. Um, she wants to know, uh, she's really loving the writer's room that you guys have put together, and will you bring back uh, the same writers, or is the, the idea to also add some new voices into the room? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's usually a hybrid of both. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, I, we haven't really thought about that just yet. Mm -hmm. but, uh, I mean, obviously, we got some great work this year, and and uh, we want to keep that train going. Um, another. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'll have uh, Carlton. I'll have 
Corey hand him the certified letter. Well, you didn't get the certified letter, apparently. Oh, there you go. Uh-oh. Um, uh, no. Uh... I will promise you that uh, we will we will we will only separate from West Duke. You know, you have to pry him from our dead. Yeah. Uh, have him leave our show. Yeah. Um, Thankfully, he's very clingy. And uh, but I think you know, there's nor- there's there's always a normal there's you know particularly in this environment where there's so many television shows and writers have to gig between multiple shows. There's you know you you run into kind of availability issues and. Um, and I think there's just a normal cycle mm-hmm. cycling, and I think it's actually good for a show to add in new voices. I think that um, some, you know, really, I think I think the show this season was energized by some of the, the new voices that were part of the writing, and I think the same will be true next year, too. Um, we have a question from Justin Gilker. He wants to know, are we going to learn more about the factory? Is that one of those things that you guys prefer us to know less about and... Uh, keep that more of a mystery. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of those places that falls under the category of it's sort of more interesting the less you see it. But uh, definitely, I mean, it's featured so much in the storytelling, at least the, the looming thread of it and what it is and what's going on there, that certainly if we don't you know, specifically go there and spend story time there, uh, we will learn a lot more about it. Got it. Here's an interesting one from Kim Williams. She wants to know which side would each of you choose under the occupation? And so obviously you guys in the writer's room spend lots of times talking about, you know, the choices that your characters are going to make. But since you're all seeped in it, you know, on the set, I'm sure you guys are talking about what your character choices are that you have to play out. Have you ever thought about whether this would cement you more in one way or the other, having worked on this show? Definitely, I've been cemented more into the resistance. Yeah. I think that was a gray area when we first started. Like, you know, what really would you do? You know, right. politically, how would you navigate that world? But uh, playing this character and just you know watching it unfold and the consequences of your decisions, and I, I, I'm I'm resistance to the core. Nice, Wes. <laughs> I think the challenge for me, if I were putting myself in this world, is what is the point of resistance? Right. And if if there's something practically you can do that feels meaningful, sure. But we the storytelling is built into the point where hopefully we're starting to reveal that maybe there is something you can do. But you know, in the early days of the show, what why would you resist? You know, right. What, what are you resisting? What is the point? What is the end? Or why why kill someone in the service of nothing? Once you start seeing information and you start seeing there's a larger plan than right. my, my tilt. So I guess I identify most clearly with Will, who is, you know, we were going back to what Tori was saying earlier about how they're, you know, the meeting of Will and Katie and Broussard is really three totally different perspectives on how you come to the point of resistance. Right. And then when they come face to face with Karen, who's a totally different philosophy, that, what are the things that would make them unite and be on the same page? And mm-hmm. that's a very interesting question. And, you know, Will, I think, has very clearly come from the pragmatist view of protect your family, family first. But once you start to realize there's something larger in the world, maybe then you have to start making choices that risk things you weren't comfortable risking beforehand. Whereas the the, the essential conflict between him and Katie is that she came to it much earlier. She just felt instinctually in her bones that this is something you had to fight. I'm definitely not a Katie. (laughs) (laughs) And Ryan? Uh, I think I would fall in the the mass of people that um, first, you know, drew me to wanting to tell a story in this world, which is the, we always talk about, are you a collaborator or are you a resistor? And the truth is in a world like this, that's 3% and 3%, and then there's this middle 94% that are just trying to survive right. in this this world of madness and keep their head down and and not get noticed by either side. Right. And um, I feel like I, I feel like that is necessarily where you know where I would fall. I mean, I certainly you know would not be able to go to bed at night as a collaborator. I just don't have that you know I don't have that wiring. 
But um, you know, for all the reasons that Wes just you know talked about and, mm-hmm. and more, and the peril to you and your loved ones right. from, for being a, a resistance fighter, I just don't know that unless the situation was much more dire than than it's presented as currently in the in the construct of colony, I think I would be a survivor. Ryan, Ryan, they've cut off supplies of whiskey into the block. <laughs> Actually, that's true. <laughs> yes, I'm taking up arms yes. immediately. <laughs> Carlton, do you have a uh, do you have a, a thought having worked on this show now for for two seasons? I think I'd be like a male version of Maddie and try to uh, align myself with a powerful female politician. (laughs) Very good, Carlton. Smart, smart. (laughs) All right, well, we are going to unveil our special guest now. Our guest under the wrap, Josh Holloway. Hello, sir. Hello. Oh, we are so happy to have you with us. Thank you so much. So you know these people over here, these these guys that you work with. Um, no, I don't. I've never seen them, and I think they should all be arrested. <laughs> he requires that we stay out of his eyelines. So. <laughs> He's never seen any of us. Well, Josh is coming from us. Uh, he is obviously on hiatus, and he has been so gracious as to give us some time today and talk to all the Colony fans live here on Facebook. Josh, you know, Will has been on an amazing arc this season. Um, where he started in Santa Monica to now where he is, you know, in a new cell with his wife and Broussard. It's, it's a lot of, of story to have gone through uh, in, in just one season. Um, for you, you got yeah, to pay, you got to pay. like the bottle of Mayox to prove it. <laughs> Did you have my a favorite art? My ulcer. No, it was a fantastic art and, uh, and what a journey. Oh my God. Uh, but I loved it. I loved the way it started. I loved the way the world is opening up and you got to see Santa Monica. And, you know, I got to see Santa Monica and experience that. And, and uh, the going over the wall thing was something else. Uh, which was a blast, and then you know, of course, just finding Charlie yeah. uh, was kind of amazing. Um, that was that was a highlight for sure because you know it's been a whole season uh, talking about it and, and worrying about it to finally have that moment happen was, was great. And one of my favorite scenes ever as an actor was that one scene where he asked me why I didn't come getting on you. What a brilliant like seeing it. it's just like a father's worst nightmare yeah get asked why why didn't you take care of me that was a heartbreaker so good so so good brilliant and uh and then you know fine and wearing a suit that was interesting (laughs) yeah you guys sucked him in a suit for a lot of the season (laughs) poor josh (laughs) yeah that was uh it was all amazing and and now finally him being kind of on the right side of things because you know he came back triumphantly with one son only to lose another. Uh. Thank you, writers, for continuing my conundrum. We enjoy our small tortures, Josh. (laughs) Well, Josh, the show affords you, like you said, you get the small moments like when you played against Jacob with Charlie and and that moment, but you also have played these huge action beats all season long. What do you lean into more as an actor? Do you really look in the scripts for those small moments that you um, you can really find Will, or do you just have fun with those action scenes? Definitely both. I mean, I consider that the act, action scenes are, are just fun. Uh, and they're difficult, you know, for Tori because he's getting old. But <laughs> it's amazing, you know. I just wow. But I love the scenes, the small scenes, you know, or, or long scenes, the intimate scenes that really allow you to dig deep and and make those special connection moments with with 
with co-stars and, and move the story and move people hopefully to, to take a journey with He's had a lot of both <laughs> this year. And also, I really love the the way that Will and Katie progressed as a couple. There were moments where it looked like you guys were done just because of your ideologies. Um, and the way that you portrayed, you know, you and Sarah were able to portray them forgiving each other, being mad at each other, you know, all of the all of the real moments that a marriage would go through with this kind of a stress. Um, were there, was there ever a moment for you in the season when you got a script that you were worried for them yourself, you know, that they may not make it through this? Uh, no, I was never really worried they wouldn't make it. I wondered how long it would take and, and, and how that would happen or if it would even happen this season at all. I was open for it to be, you know, a, a, a while, but it, it was a rough journey. Yeah. Um, but often as, as family, as real life, you know, happens when you have family, you have children and you, you have to parent you have to parent person and then you in doing that you realize it gives you enough space to breathe to rediscover that you still care about each other yeah <laughs> yeah and that's huge that's important Keep going, but no, I think uh, we'll make it. Poor Pink Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, last night's episode, uh, we were talking to Tori earlier about that you guys essentially, Will and Katie and uh, Broussard are a new cell. Do you look at Broussard as somebody, as an ally, or do you think that's still a journey that Will is going to have to go on? Because this was the guy that was taking your wife away from you in terms of her not being honest with you, but you're in life or death situations now together where you gotta have each other's back. Yeah, I mean, here's the deal. Will knew what he married. He knew he married a rebel uh, from way back. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he feels like Tori's character is really taking her away and just allowing her to be her uh, mm -hmm. more. So that, that's a good way to look at it. <laughs> Will pretty simple. He trust you know, resort help save his wife and kid, that's good enough for Will. He trusts him right there. You know, if you help save my wife and kid, I'm pretty much gonna trust you. Nice. <laughs> for now. Don't get cocky, you know. <laughs> we also talked about that winner in last night's episode, which was, you know, the most uh, aggressive one. You did the one in the Bowman house earlier in the season, but the theater one was just wild how long it was and yeah. how uh, what was it, was, it for it you was amazing um you know it, i love that kind of stuff i love flying the plane it's like flying a plane you got to take off and you got to do it right or it crashes and when it crashes it's a mess <laughs> uh and uh you really got to use the force you know you gotta you gotta feel everybody and everyone's movement and feel the whole thing and, and everyone can feel it when it's when it's happening and then oh something has a gun jammed or something and everyone's like really that was the one let's do it again you know and so you, you get back to the one and you do it again and but i really i i love this new element it adds to our show to me it's like it's, it's like first person shooter games you know and, and video games or something you know it's very popular down and a lot of people see POVs like that. So to follow us through a, a scene like that, I think it's it's very it's new. It's a, it's a it's a great element to add to our show. I love it. it team was, one. Yes, team one. <laughs>
And what did you think when you read in the script with Broussard? He doesn't get decimated like like Will didn't and Charlie didn't when they were on the wall. You know, that's a huge moment for both of these men to have survived that moment where it looked like that their ticket was going to get pulled. Um, were you surprised to see yeah. that repeated this season for Broussard? I was thankful. <laughs> <laughs> I did Tori and Tori's one of our strongest characters. I was like, please, no, 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 he was getting on that theater. I'm reading too. Like, come on. And uh, when that happened, I love moments like that because that's a, a clue into the bigger mythology of the story, you know, and that little things like those, you're like, oh, wait a second. You know, that really adds a, a depth, I think, and a dynamic to to the storytelling. And, and uh, those moments are our key, you know, and, and, and opens the audience up to a bigger story. That's what I love about that. Awesome, awesome. We don't want to take up much more of your time, but, you know, um, we have one more episode left in this season. Next Thursday, season finale for season two. In terms of teasing, is there one word that you can think of that you can let the audience know what they're going to get next week? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and with that's that, thank you so much, Josh, for your time. That's uh, that's a that's a My good teaser. We so appreciate you being here, and we can't thank all of you guys uh, for being here with us. Carlton, thank you for being uh, with us while you're working on another project. So thank you for calling in, and Ryan, and Tori, and Wes. Um, I also want to thank all of our Colony cast and writers that have come in this season for the podcast. We couldn't have done it without you, and the show would have been a pale shadow of what it is uh, without everybody's inclusion. So thank you so much for that. And then last but not least, thank you to all the Colony fans. Your enthusiasm, your social media every Thursday has kept us all so excited and, and us on the podcast, you know, so enthused to know how much you're, you are enjoying what they've been doing this season. So listen to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. You've got a whole season to catch up with if you haven't listened. Most importantly, be sure to tune in next Thursday night, April 6th, for the Colony Season 2 finale, 10 p.m. on USA, 9 p.m. Central. And thank you, guys. We close up the season on a high. Thank you so much, everybody. Thanks for being with us. Kaboom. <laughs> <laughs>